All right, hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is Sunday. I am Jason, and I am here to bring you the Sunday Tarot Talk. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys being here. Thank you to the uh, Cosmic Eye family of supporters. We appreciate you guys showing up each week and listening and appreciate all your uh, shares on social media, all the great feedback we're getting and your financial support. Thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to support us, we're at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye, or you can check out our great tarot products at CosmicEye.org. We've got some new tarot bags going up just about every day. Uh, beautiful designs, handmade bags that we make here in the U.S., handcrafting them ourselves, our own little indie operation we've got going uh, with um, they're lined with Dupioni silk and a lot of the fabrics are repurposed fabrics, uh, vintage fabrics and so on, just uh, beautiful stuff. So check that out, CosmicEye.org. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Emperor card. Today we're going to talk about the Emperor card. So last week it was the Empress, the Empress, uh, key number three. This week it's key number four, the Emperor actually, uh, card number five since zero is uh, the Fool. So the first one that we did was zero, the Fool. Number one is the Magician. Two. Uh, the High Priestess, three, the Empress, and finally, we're at key number four, the Emperor. All of these cards build on the previous card, and of course, they're connected to the next card. They're all uh, interrelated, uh, so we're going to talk about the Emperor, and we'll have recourse to talk a bit about the Empress as well and how they're interrelated. Uh, so important stuff uh, coming up today. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here each week. So this series of, of tarot uh, talks, uh, we're on the first iteration of it, the first series of it. We're going to go through all 22 of the major arcana cards. And as I said, we're on the emperor number four right now. So you can go back and listen to the other ones if you want to. And we're going to go all the way to 21, card 21, key 21, which is the world. And then we're going to actually start over and then we're going to go even deeper into the cards. So this is kind of the uh, first level a series of talks. So that is how we're working these things out. Uh, I wanted also to just thank uh, Dr. Paul Foster Case, uh, who founded the BOTA, the Builders of the Aditum. He is here with us in spirit. Got a great uh, picture of him up on my desk and uh, feels like uh, he's guiding me uh, in this journey of tarot. And I'm drawing largely from his work and I'm thankful for that. Uh, his work, of course, was also drawn from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, so I feel like their, uh, uh, their presence is at work with us today as well. Uh, you can check us out at, at Cosmic Eye Tarot on Instagram, and I'm actually uh, on TikTok, of all things. I finally got on there, at Cosmic Eye Tarot as well on TikTok. And so each um, Monday, there's new tarot readings, new free tarot readings, uh, videos for, for astrological signs. And also we do a spirit slash ancestor reading slash occasionally a Kabbalistic oriented angel uh, reading that we do with tarot. So you can check all those out if you follow us on social media there. Um, all right, let's get into this. Let us get into this. So the emperor, as I said, is key number four. And last week, as I mentioned, we talked about the empress and her connection to creative imagination. Uh, again, this week we're looking at the emperor who follows the empress in the order of the major arcana. Uh, and the as I said before, the empress and the emperor are interrelated, as are all the tarot cards. 
so I want to encourage you at this point to grab uh, your tarot deck and get the emperor card out if you want to look at it or pull it up online or on your phone uh, if you can do that while you're listening. Um, it really does help to be able to look at the card uh, to know um, uh, to know kind of what the symbols are that we're looking at and to be able to activate the unconscious and really, really get into this deeply. So I highly recommend that. Uh, the other thing I, I want to recommend you do is to work with this card that we're talking about during the week, um, each morning or in the evening for at least five minutes. Just do a little contemplation slash, you know, meditation on the card, look at it and really let it soak in, uh, kind of uh, gaze at it, not, you know, staring so you're giving yourself a headache, but just gaze at it and let it really penetrate into your consciousness and really let these symbols go to work on the unconscious, because these cards really do represent forces that are within us, uh, esoteric forces that are within us, psychological and psychic forces that are within us. And so just to look at the cards really does actively uh, work on the unconscious and helps us to build these qualities that we're talking about in these talks. So just by looking at these cards, working with these cards, bringing, you know, memorizing what they look at and really being able to pull them up when you want to, you know, so during the week, if you're doing this five minutes a day meditation, for example, or contemplation on these cards, uh, let's say so for example with the fool so the fool is super consciousness the fool you know brings a quality of bravery it brings a quality of uh of faith uh you know a certain amount of creativity and freedom associated with the fool and so forth so if you need those qualities you can pull up that image of the fool card in your mind and it acts like a little positive spiritual vitamin in a sense it activates that energy that's already within us the unconscious mind works in in symbol, it works in dream language, it works in a language that's not logical. The conscious mind's the logical mind, the unconscious mind is this dream mind, this psychic mind, this intuitive mind, this part of ourselves that works in images and strange connections and so forth. And that's really what these, these cards are doing. They're evoking those powers that are down in the unconscious and they're bringing them to the surface so that we can connect to them. So, as I said, the Empress and the Emperor are interrelated, uh, as all the tarot cards are. So, so far we've seen how the Fool is super consciousness, it's pure potential. The Fool card represents that part of ourselves that's connected to that divine source. Uh, the Magician then is our self-conscious, our, our sort of uh, focus, our awareness that we have, the self-consciousness that exists within us the ability to focus down with precision what we want to do the high priestess then is connected to subconsciousness memory these mysterious processes that go on there as is the the empress is also associated with that part of the mind uh, it connects more to the to the uh, superconscious part of the mind but in a in a subconscious way uh, in a mysterious fashion the creative imagination works so we put these images in uh, we start. We start with knowing that this, that this, that we're a part of this potentiality, this pure potentiality with the fool superconsciousness. Then we focus our minds with the power of the magician. In other words, we figure out what it is we actually want to create, what we want to do, what we want to be, what we want to have, etc. Right? Uh, in a conscious way, that intention or desire, and we feed that into the subconscious by concentrating and, and holding those thoughts in, in an intentional way. 
and that subconsciousness, of course, represented by the priestess. And then it's turned over to the empress, creative imagination, and that begins to manifest that, that desire as creative ideas, new combinations of things, and, and so forth. And then we come to this power of the emperor, key four, key four. And so it's as if it's being these, these creative ideas uh, are almost like the, the children of the empress. And the emperor then is the one who's responsible for establishing order, establishing order by using reason. So he takes those creative products of the empress and he, he regulates and oversees them. He puts order to those products of creative imagination. And sort of the classic idea of you know, a, a father in a household in the, in the past, uh, or the idea of a king, there's a sort of order and regulation that goes on. The queen is a regulator as well, but in a, in a different sort of nurturing way, at least, you know, in class, we're, and we're speaking again of, of these, these, these are all parts of, of all of us, regardless of what our gender is, or what we identify as, or so forth. These are, these are archetypal ideas, so we have to move beyond these, these gender-based ideas in a sense, but connect to the archetypal uh, gender ideas, the mythological gender ideas that, you know, have been passed down to us through history. So the emperor then represents that king energy, overseeing, regulating, administrating, and so on. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, if, if you didn't have this sort of reason, this is the interesting thing about reason, reason and order and, you know, administration and all these ideas, they don't sound very fun on the surface, do they? Uh, it sounds kind of like school, or it sounds like, uh, you know, something that's trying to limit you, or, or it sounds like, you know, government bureaucracy, but we're not looking at that. What we're looking at is the, the archetypal qualities of these ideas and the real, the real power in the idea of reason and order and cosmic order. And we're going to talk more about that as we go along. But, you know, as we know in our lives, Creative impulses and ideas and, and fun and you know spontaneity all have their place, but we really can't get things done without this type of reasoning and ordering that the emperor represents. You know, so for example, if we have all these great creative ideas and impulses and stuff, we want to start a business or do a piece of artwork or make a new piece of music. That's the impulse that's coming from the empress. It's coming from, you know, from that part of ourselves, that Venus-oriented idea, uh, that Venus-oriented power. And this, you know, this emperor is connected with Aries. We're not really going to talk about that, but, you know, Aries is this kind of fiery leadership quality um, that we need also to marshal those ideas, take those ideas and put some sort of form and order to them uh, and kind of you know, lead them where they need to go. So it's one thing to have an idea that I want to, you know, write a piece of music. And it's another thing to be able to know how to, you know, how to how to compose music and how to play the instruments and how to put, you know, put the orchestration together and how to engineer the sound and, and all this. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. And that's, those are the areas, uh, those are in a lot of ways, the areas of the emperor. But again, all of these different energies are used and they're all represented in these cards. So they're a culmination, you know, the emperor is a culmination of, you know, of the fool, the magician, the priestess, uh, the empress, you know, so each one is building on the next one, you know, they don't stand alone. So remember that these are all parts of ourselves and these are all continuum of these different, these different archetypal ideas. 
Okay, so let us get into the idea of the number four. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, three of these, these symbols on this card today. Uh, we're going to talk about the number four. We're going to talk about the Hebrew letter hey, and we're going to talk about the cube that the emperor sits on. Let me describe this card real quick, just, to, just for those of you who don't have it in front of you. So it's mainly red. And again, that has to do with Aries and Mars uh, that this card's associated with. He's sitting on a little patch of, of green. He's wearing armor, the emperor. He's facing uh, back towards the empress, in essence. Uh, so you only see him in profile. You see the left side of his, wait, the right side of his face, sorry. Um, and he's holding a, a scepter that looks like an elongated Venus symbol or an onk, it's similar to an onk. And he has a, he has a helmet on. It has the Aries symbol on top of it, the ram's horns. He has a ram's, uh, a ram uh, on, his, on his shoulder pads, or not shoulder pads, but this, his armor on his shoulders. And he's holding an, an inverted tau cross that again, looks like a, it's a small Venus symbol. It shows his connection to the empress. And then there's some, some purple uh, highlights, purple highlighted fabric uh, that covers his, his, uh, his armor. He's mainly armored, uh, silver armor. And then he sits on this cube. It's a stone cube, a gray stone cube uh, with an with a Aries symbol, a ram on the side of it. There's a river flowing in the background and then there's some red mountains. So that gives you kind of a basic idea of what he looks like. I'm sure you've all seen him, but I wanted to describe the card I'm looking at. That's the BOTA version of this. It's pretty similar, uh, pretty similar to the Rider Waite deck. That his is, uh, it's a little, a little different, a little, there's a few more esoteric symbols in this BOTA version that, uh, that, are, that, that Dr. Case felt were important to include. All right, so the first thing, as I said, we're gonna cover is we're gonna look at the number four. Number four is connected to order, the idea of order. These are the esoteric ideas and symbolic, uh, symbolic representations of these numbers that I'm speaking about. So in the uh, occult systems, numbers, and this comes, goes back to Kabbalah, it goes back to the Pythagorean uh, system uh, in ancient Egypt, I mean, ancient Egypt, excuse me, ancient Greece, Pythagoras, but it probably goes back as far as, as ancient Egypt does, uh, you know, these, these mathematical concepts because the Greeks borrowed heavily from uh, Egyptian ideas. Uh, India as well uh, contributed a lot to these ideas, especially to the West. Um, okay, so number four, uh, number four is order. Other meanings of the number four, regulation, management, system, supervision. Uh, so the number four relates to the classifying activity of self-consciousness. I talked a little bit about that. In other words, like, you know, the products of creative imagination that the empress provides us are these sort of impulses and feelings and vague ideas. Now the emperor comes along and he sort of classifies things. He classifies things. He uses reason to... Uh, to clarify what exactly is trying to be accomplished. Does this particular plan fit the desire that we have? Is this the best possible way to do this? It's sort of a, you know, there's a sort of trial and error process going on, a sort of checks and balances thing that's going on uh, that's classifying and, and organizing. And, you know, it would be as if, um, you know, all of these ideas are coming off a conveyor belt. Let's imagine there's a conveyor belt of ideas, and then there's this emperor sitting down at the end of it, this king, and he's, you know, each thing slowly comes 
off the conveyor belt and he looks at it and he kind of like either accepts it and says, you know, yeah, this is going to work. We're going to put this over in the, in the working, the working pile. And then some of them are like, no, this needs to be sent back to creative imagination for a little more work and refining. It's not quite what we're looking for. And then some things just need to be thrown out completely because they're just completely off the wall and they don't fit with what we're trying to accomplish at all. So you see the emperor is a sort of a regulator, almost like a, you know, a sort of, or, you know, an order, an order, an order of things, a classifier of things. You know, and that's that, that part of ourselves. Sometimes we're not comfortable with that part of ourselves. So there's judgment involved with it. And, you know, oftentimes today we look at things and we think, well, there's, I don't want to be judgy. I don't want to be, you know, preachy or I don't want to, you know, make this judgment. And there's a difference between using reason and order, you know, that's connected to love and expecting a certain level of quality and expecting certain outcomes and, you know, being a judgmental person. We know the difference between those two. So don't throw reason and order out just because oftentimes people will use it negatively. You know, this is a very positive thing that we need in our lives, this reasoning and ordering faculty. And that's why it's important to get in touch with this emperor energy. So we know that our creative ideas and our mental imagery are mainly useful to us after they've been systematized, after they've been put into order. Because really only then, you know, can we put the mental images and creative impulses to use and use them to guide, regulate, and supervise our daily life. Because really that's what we're doing. We take these creative impulses and ideas and then we've got to put them to some kind of use. And that's, again, that's what this, this emperor stands for, these cl the classifying of them, the ordering of them. The, you know, it, it does involve a sort of hierarchy and, you know, some, you know, again, that's another idea that's gotten a lot of bad, bad press, let's say these days, is the idea of hierarchy. But, you know, you have to look at your own life and realize there are things that are preferable to other things in your life. There are actions that you can take that are better than other actions. There are foods you can eat that are better than other foods. That is a hierarchy. That is an act of ordering and classifying. You're saying that this is more valuable than that. You know, and you have to remember that you have to be careful with that, but it, it is a very powerful tool in manifesting and creating to be able to clearly see what it is you want and know, uh, know what it is that you, you want and not accept anything that doesn't sort of match up with your desire, with your image, with your creative vision. You know, that's part of being a creative artist. That's part of being a a creative individual in one's life, you know, it's choosing this thing over that thing. You can't just do everything. You can't just, you know, accept everything. So, so this is that classifying and ordering that goes on uh, connected to the number four. Um, the other thing that the, that this ordering and this classifying and this reasoning do is they, they give us a sort of leg up on our emotions. You know, how often do we get caught up in our emotions and we let our emotions run things? And sometimes that can be great, you know, in, in, in when our emotions are loving and they're positive and they're constructive, then they put us in the right direction. But when our emotions turn on us and we get jealous or we get angry or we get negative or we get paranoid or we get anxious, you know, you need something to regulate those emotions. And that's where this reason and order come into play. You know, you can use your logical mind to sort of break down what you're feeling at that moment and see if it really is is appropriate 
for whatever is actually occurring because you know we can be our buttons can get pushed we can be quote unquote triggered by certain things and sometimes those things are unconsciously motivated sometimes we don't know consciously why we do those things so we have to stop and think about it before we take action on some emotional response we have we don't want to blow up at the you know at the grocery bagger at Safeway we don't want to blow up at you know our family members or our loved ones because they say something accidentally that pushes our buttons that reminds us of what our you know our auntie did to us or something it's like it's not you know we don't want to be we don't want to be a you know blown around like a like a leaf on a on a pond and a windy day you know and that's the power of reason and order we take control we take control not to the point where we become, become robots where we take control of the, the you know the negative and destructive sides of ourselves and the positive stuff you know we, we we bring that stuff to the surface the constructive positive parts of ourselves you know and we try to kind of regulate and keep a lid on some of the the, the negative and destructive emotions right um, not shoving them down into the shadow, recognizing them and being conscious of them. And, you know, if, if they do come up, you know, maybe we perform a little ritual to kind of get it out of our system. Or we go run or we, you know, hit a punching bag or something, you know, have a way to blow off some steam. I'm not saying to ignore those things, but having a conscious way to, to work with those negative emotions, that shadow work stuff. Okay, so the emperor then is, is sort of like a CEO. He's an executive. The word emperor itself means he who sets in order. So again, this emperor is closely related to the symbolic meanings of the number four. Other meanings of uh, number four uh, are control, authority, command, uh, dominance, classifying activity of the self-consciousness uh, self -consciousness within us, cosmic order. And that cosmic order is that underlying substance that's really manifesting in every form and every experience in our you know, material existence. So important, important stuff in the number four. In geometry, the number four is represented by the square, the square. And so the square is an ancient symbol for the physical plane and material things. That's another sort of hint of the emperor. And we're gonna get into that in a moment of, of the cube that he's sitting on. The foundations of reason and good sense are built on clear, specific mental images in a definite logical order. Let me say that again. So the foundations of reason and good sense are built upon clear, specific mental images in a definite logical order. So again, that's what the emperor is providing. So the empress provides this bounty of all these creative ideas and impulses and desires and then the emperor comes along and, and gives them uh, a clarity, a, a logical order, and, and, and then allows us to focus on the specific mental images of the things that we want to try to create in our life. We can't do everything. So the emperor is the one who says, this, not that. And we're going to get more into that also down the line at uh, key number six with the lovers and the idea of discrimination and the idea of uh, the sword, the letter Zion. So we'll talk more about that down the road. Watch for that one. So the number four is also connected with the concept of measurement. When we use the emperor's power of reason that we all have, we take measure of our experiences so we can interpret them correctly. So we take measure of our experience. We stop and think about the things that have happened to us and we say to ourselves, 
hey, is that, you know, where was I involved with that? What did I do to contribute to this or that thing happening? How can I prevent this or that thing from happening? Or how can I make more of this or that thing happen or happen in my life? You know what I mean? So it's that idea of using reason and logic and order to sort of classify the experiences that we've, that we've had, even if they seem random and try to understand them and then try to act in a different way or the same way, or you know, kind of modify those actions and thoughts that we had that contributed to that experience and so forth, right? Uh, so the results we're getting from our thoughts and actions, we're really looking at those things and we're really measuring them with the power of the emperor. And so once we're able to do that, a little coffee there for me. Uh, once we're able to do that, we can change these, these, I, these false ideas that we have about ourselves, these false conditions that we've created for ourselves. Once we understand the underlying substance and the underlying source in a way, and we use this power of reason, then we realize like, oh, I've created this situation. So what I think about, what I do, the actions that I take, the education that I have, the, the thoughts that I think, the emotions that I feel on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, are actually creating this experience that I'm having. And you go, well, I don't like this experience that I'm having. And then you realize, oh, I'm responsible for that. I mean, which doesn't mean I'm responsible for every single thing that happens in my life, but I'm responsible for how I react to those things. And in, in some way, we do have to take responsibility and say, I am responsible for, you know, my overall trajectory in life. Now, again, challenges may come up or we may be in, you know, in a situation where there's an unfair government regime, you know, totalitarian system or something that, you know, we've come out of, you know, and I don't know all your experiences, but we've all been in situations where, you know, there's unfair things going on that we didn't necessarily cause. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying feel guilty about everything that's, you know, happened, like, oh, my God, that was my fault that this happened. But what I'm saying is own, own the part of your experience that, you know, that you can be responsible for. And honestly, as we look at it, we realize like we do have a lot more power than we, we give ourselves credit for in terms of our own experience in our lives. You know, and even a lot of the things we thought, you know, maybe happened that were out of our control. Sometimes we realize like, wait, I remember back to this little incident and I see how that relates to this and it kind of snowballed into that over time and and so forth and we you know that's where this reason and order come into play because there's a sort of dispassionate way of looking at it you know oftentimes these emotional events these challenges these upsetting things that happen to us that push us in a different direction in our lives you know there's so much emotional baggage associated with it if you can connect with this emperor energy there's a sort of non-judgmental you know reason and ordering faculty that can unfold so that you can see things clearly you can see things clearly and so you can look at those conditions that you're having you know like i said if if there's some negative uh, stuff that's going on in your life or some you know some money problems or health problems and so on and really put yourself in back into alignment with this idea of order cosmic order and reasoning and and being able to to logically see the way th through it you can look through those false conditions and say you know look i'm a divine child of god i'm a divine child of this universe i i'm you know the i am power 
that's spoken of in the Bible, like that's within me. So I have the power to make these changes in my life that I want to make. And if I don't like where I'm at, I can change that at any time, at any age. You know, we have some control and we have a great amount of power within us to be able to make those changes. So think about that. Those are all associated with the number four and the emperor and his power of reason. All right, let's talk about the letter hey, the letter hey. So the Hebrew letter hey is associated with the emperor. It's roughly analogous to our letter H, uh, not necessarily in the same order. It's the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and it means window. As I've said before, all these, these ancient uh, Hebrew letters had a hieroglyphic meaning to them in addition to their letter meaning, you know, where they would make up words. They also had a picture meaning and the letter hey is window. And what does a window do? It admits light, light's a symbol of knowledge, it admits air, and air is a symbol of life or spirit. And it lets those things into the house. And the house, the letter bait, which we talked about with the magician, uh, it means house. Uh, the house is our body-mind experience. It's the personality, it's our own individual experience. So this letter hey is letting all those things in, those light, that knowledge, that spirit, that life, uh, window lets you survey or look out or supervise an area, permits outlook, in other words. So the function of sight uh, is attributed to the letter hey. Windows, you've heard this before, uh, this idea. Well, the second part of this idea. Windows are like the eyes of a house, in a sense, right? Uh, we've all, and we've all heard that saying, the eyes are the windows of the soul. I think most people have. I've heard it before. It's an old one. An oldie but a goodie. Eyes are the windows of the soul. So reason and sight are closely connected. Uh, you know, and also the eyes tell a story. You know, sight is an important is an important function of this letter. Hey, and you know how you look at things, how you observe things, how closely you pay attention, what you, you know, how you interpret what you're seeing using reason in order to interpret things clearly and logically. Right. That's all associated with the emperor here. Here's the other thing. I like this. This is really an interesting idea. Um, think about when you're trying to figure something out, you know, you're sort of puzzling through something, you're kind of pondering about it and looking up information and really putting, putting your, a, lot of, a lot of thought into it. You know, when, oftentimes when you, when you finally figure it out, you say, I see, I see what happened here. I see what you mean. I see, you know, how this works. And, and so, you know, you, you understand then this connection between seeing and, you know, sort of enlightenment, as it were, see, you know, and, and it goes beyond just physical sight, it's seeing in a different way, it's seeing, intuiting, understanding, but it's using reason, it's using logic and using this clear thinking that's represented by the emperor. Uh, we're going to talk more about intuition next week, uh, when we talk about the hierophant, but this clear seeing this reason and order uh, this logical sort of step in the, in the process is very important in getting clear intuitions. And again, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, there's a saying in the Bible where there's no vision, the people perish. That's another idea connected with vision or seeing, connected with the letter hey. And that's, that reminds us how that bad reasoning can be really detrimental. Because, you know, how we look at things, how we interpret things really does... Um, play out in our lives 
in how we experience those things. So, you know, you, one person could take, have a bad experience happen to them and learn something that changes their whole life for the better. Maybe they, you know, like for example, uh, the woman that started uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving lost a, lost a child to, drunk, to a drunk driver and then started this great organization that, you know, really completely changed the way we think about drinking and driving. So she took a tragedy and then turned it into something valuable, uh, turned it into something that was, was beneficial to you know, millions and millions of other people. Incredible. The letter hey in Hebrew is used as a, as a definite article like our English word the, how we use the. So the idea of reason then defines things uh, down, to, to a down to specifics, right? So reason works at that self-conscious level and the idea is that, you know, to define anything is to name it. This is an occult uh, teaching. Define anything. So to really define something, you need to name it. So self-consciousness then in the occult tradition and in, in Kabbalah and, you know, Western mystery tradition is associated with Adam or Adam, which in Kabbalah, in Kabbalah, Kabbalah however you want, you know, you want to pronounce it the correct Jewish way, it's easier to say Kabbalah. Uh, but uh, Adam then, or Adam, is generic humanity. Uh, so this idea, or, you know, in the Bible, he's a male figure. And of course, Eve is created from his rib uh, in, the old, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, but but in, in, in general, in, 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 um, in the esoteric tradition, Adam or Adam means uh, generic humanity. So, but this is the idea of the namer of things. Um, you know, and the, there's a story where, where Adam is, is naming uh, all of the animals and so forth in the in Genesis, uh, and there's this old idea, this old saying. I don't know how many people have heard this before. I, I I remember it from when I was young. It was like an old New Thought idea or something from mind science, uh, but it was name it and claim it. So in other words, if you could clarify your goal, name it, and really put words to it, you know, you could make it happen. Um, so that's a that's a great idea. Name it and claim it. So. Again, reason is at work with that. With that idea too, you know, the idea is that you know what you desire. If you can put it into worm words, or put it into worms. Hey, who knows? A fine, fine little worm farm of ideas. Uh, put it into words. Uh, you can make an affirmation or or a statement of clarity about what you you know what your intention is, and that's you know really that's more than half the battle of 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 manifesting something is just understanding clearly what it is you're trying to do. And again, that is very connected to this idea of the emperor. Think about that reason and clarity to help us to name and define the goals and the power of the emperor helps us to achieve those sort of ephemeral kind of filmy kind of ethereal dreams that we have that we haven't really put clarity to yet so the empress provides us with these you know these angelic images and this jumble of these creative ideas and you know some of them are, are genius and some of them are just you know wacko and some of them are kind of mediocre but the emperor is the then the the, the orderer and the judger of these things that looks on our ideas and goes okay this one kind of works and i'm going to run with this and then you know tests it and you know, then reevaluates it after it's actually been put into action and says, is this working? Yes, kinda, but I wanna do this and then sends it back to the workshop of the Empress, the creative imagination, and then it pops back out and 
the emperor works with it again you know so it's so it's it's a it's an ongoing process these things are all occurring uh simultaneously you know there's the super consciousness at work behind the scenes there's the magician's power of focus and attention that self-conscious thought and you know the priestesses at work with memory and 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 um, subconsciousness and then the empress is at work with creative you know creative production and creative imagination and then the emperor is at work you know reasoning through things and then we'll see next week how intuition comes into play and then the different functions all right moving on to the cube and this is one of the more interesting symbols in the whole tarot series i think i, I i'm fascinated by this cube idea and we're going to go way deeper into this into the next series of these but we're going to touch on it today so the emperor is sitting on this cube and it's a you know it's a perfect cube looks like a die you know a single dice a die and uh it has a it has a an aries ram head on the side of it um and he's he's sitting on top of it so it relate it refers primarily to the idea of creation um, and again, as I said, we're going to talk more about this down the road. The Kabbalistic cube of space. The Kabbalistic cube of space is really what this is referring to, you know, existence itself, manifestation in the universe, the fact that there's something versus nothing. So this cube even goes, like I said, it goes far back as, as Kabbalah, ancient, you know, ancient uh, Hebrew esoteric uh, ideas. But it, it also is found in the West in the idea of in, in Pythagoras. Um, probably even earlier, I'm sure the Egyptians had the concept of this cube. I mean, they, they also obviously had the pyramid. So they were very into geometrical structures. But the cube is one of the five regular solids, according to Pythagoras. And it's uh, really understood to represent this physical plane that we live in. The other uh, idea is that it's associated with truth, regularity, order. There's that order again. Uh, because you know it's made of equal faces it has boundary lines of equal lengths and it has square faces which are four-sided and they correspond to that number four that we talked about so there's you know this cube is is deeply symbolic and it has really mysterious connections one of the really interesting ideas i really dig this this is from uh from kabbalah from uh, gematria gematria is the occult science of numbers so all of the Hebrew letters are associated with numbers and they add up to things and there's correlations between those, uh, those, those numbers that add up and then other words that have the same number. And this exists all throughout the Hebrew Bible and it's really quite deep and incredible when you look into it. And there's all kinds of predictions made with this and all kinds of esoteric knowledge that's contained in this wisdom. Uh, so the, the, the cube itself has six faces it has eight points and it has 12 boundary lines. So think about a, you know, hold up a die or just imagine a cube of a perfect cube. And, you know, so you see this six, this eight and this 12. When you add those up, you get the number 26. Um, so 26, interestingly enough, is also the value of the divine name, uh, otherwise known as Tetragrammaton. Uh, the divine name yod Hey vov Hey, which is uh, erroneously thought of as Jehovah at times, 
the, the, the name yod Hey vov Hey is not really a name, but more of a formula. And then the name itself was only pronounced once a year in the Holy of Holies in the temple. So no one is really uh, sure of how it was exactly pronounced. So it's a mystery. Um, but that, that divine name, which is, you know, we, we transliterate to YHVH or IHVH in, in, in English letters. And as I said, it's known as the, the name Jehovah is, is mostly what they say when you're reading the Hebrew Bible, otherwise known in, Christian, in the Christian world as the Old Testament. Uh, whenever it says Lord or it says God, normally it's that, that yod heh name. And, you know, often, or there's other ones as well, other names for God. Uh, but those, those names are formulas and they have, uh, they have Kabbalistic values and, and associations and powers associated with them and so on. And that's why when you get a translation, unfortunately, into English of the Old Testament, you lose much of the depth and, and wisdom in it. Uh, that's why it's very valuable to go into Hebrew if you're interested in esoteric Bible study. All right, so this is the name which, like as I said, is most often translated God or Lord in English versions of the Bible. So that divine name really symbolizes this idea of, of that which was, that which is, that which shall be. So it's more of a state of being. It shows us that uh, whatever is real now in our present, in our presence, in the presence of this, this experience, this existential reality, everything has been and will continue to be eternally and the same in its essence. So there's much more to this divine name than just that. It's associated with levels of consciousness and levels of creation and so on. We'll get into more of that later, not in this episode. The cube then as a symbol for truth and order uh, and connected to that uh, number value of 26 uh, is interesting to so that divine name uh, is a representation, as I said, of that one reality, that one power, that one presence, which is manifested in all the appearances of our physical universe. In other words, it's manifested in us just, just the same. So we talk about that I am presence. So Moses, when he asked God what uh, his name was, said to him, Eheye, Asher Eheye, which basically means I am that I am. So when people say the I am presence, that's what they're referring to, that Eheye uh, idea. Uh, so that is a that is the idea here i am that i am it's a presence it's a power it's one reality it's a ruling principle of the universe um, so this cube idea uh, the symbol for the divine presence then is also connected to the the tabernacle so moses talks about the tabernacle and there's all these elaborate um elaborate uh, rules and regulations and specifications for the tabernacle and for for all the ritual work uh, in 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 uh, torah the first five books of moses uh, as and and so the holy of holies that i was speaking about earlier where that where that divine name was spoken by the high priest once a year uh, was also where the ark of the covenant no less was kept by the way was a cubicle room and that was in solomon's temple so the cube is there again that idea of the cube and so this so this idea of the cube runs deeply into our Western mystical traditions and even our you know, Orthodox religious uh, ideas in uh, our Judeo-Christian history. So similarly, the idea of the apocalypse in the New Testament, the apocalypse uh, in Revelation, uh, the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem uh, rep is represented uh, by a cube, by the, com the completion and perfection of divine order 
is, 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 is noted as a perfect cube. And since its height, breadth, and length are, are said to be equal, and then the throne of the Lamb is its inner center, and that's the source of light for this whole divine city. That's the source of light. That's, again, that's connecting us to this, uh, the Lamb, the, the, the Christ consciousness, the divinity within us is the inner center, which is the source of light for the whole city. Ponder that a bit. That's something to think about. Uh, so this cube represents the one presence, as I said, the I am consciousness, existence, being itself, as well as that cosmic order, that reasoning power, that ordering function that exists in the universe. The reason why there's order and there's laws of, you know, natural laws that are, that exist, that hold everything in place, like gravity and, and so forth. The atomic laws, the laws of, you know, the atomic uh, quantum laws and so on all these different natural natural laws that exist so you know another thing to think about and this is kind of a simple idea but you know reason and order also uh spill over into not just our thinking but into our into our day-to-day -day life you know so one of the things that uh, dr case encourages us to do through the uh, you know the bota teachings and through his work uh, in trying to work with this reasoning ordering emperor um, energy is to really just clean up our lives, clean up our day-to-day -day experience, clean up our desks, clean up our house, uh, get rid of old clothes that you no longer wear, get rid of old furniture that you don't use or sit on, get rid of possessions that you don't need, um, you know, clear your schedule of superfluous junk, you know, if you find yourself wasting a lot of time watching TV or, you know, doing unproductive stuff, clear out your schedule, those sorts of things. You know, that's another way of ordering your life is making, making more time in your day, making more time. You know, that's the thing. There is enough time to do the things you want to do. Sometimes we have to be reminded of that. There is enough time to do the things we want to do. If you clear out the things that don't serve you any longer, if you clear out the things that are wasting your time, if you clear out the things that are holding you back, if you clear out those ideas that are limiting you, and you and you you know put reason and logic to work to make a schedule for yourself, and it's you know sometimes it's not fun, but once you start doing it, you realize like wow, I can't live without this, you know, and you feel like man, my life was pretty chaotic before I put some order to it, before I put some scheduling to it, before I started you know, meditating every morning and, and then, you know, doing a little run. And then, you know, then I come home and do my work from, you know, nine to 12. And then I take a, whatever, however you schedule it. It's like, it really does help to have those schedules and to clear out a lot of the stuff that you don't need any longer. All right. So those are important things to think about with the cube. And, you know, I just want to encourage you to, to work with this emperor card, to contemplate, to think about this idea of, of order and leadership and sort of kingly energy. And again, we all have these archetypal powers within us, regardless of our gender, regardless of how we self-identify, whatever, these powers are archetypal and they're mythological. And you know, you can connect to them and really put them to work in your life. And, you know, they go back thousands and thousands of years, these images in, in one way or another, you know, and this is this is this collective, this collective unconscious that we all share that CGM was talking about. 
So we talked about the number four and order and measuring and some of these ideas. We talked about the letter hey and how it is associated with window and sight and oversight and supervision of your life and your affairs and really uh, making sure that you're, you're learning from your experiences, you're, you're measuring them out and weighing them and making sure that the actions and thoughts that you're doing are creating the life that you want and noticing that if I don't like where I am in my life, I can change that. That's all associated with that idea of sight, the idea of the window, the idea of the letter hey. And then we looked at that cube I went just, you know, to the surface level of that cube of space, and we looked at some of the numbering of it and how it, it, the numbers of the cube add up to 26, and those are associated with the divine name, Yodei Now that divine presence in the Holy of Holies is also within us. And so, you know, these are all ideas represented by the emperor. And there's so many more. Again, like I have to, each week, and you know, I have to pare down what I want to talk about because there's so much to talk about with these cards, you know, and as Levy said, you know, you can really, you know, I'm paraphrasing badly here, but you know, you, you can pretty much learn all the keys to the universe from these, from these tarot cards. You know, if you just understand all the symbolism that goes on in, in, in these 22 cards, but then if you've got the full 78, you know, then you've got all the astrological attributions and the decanates and all the, you know, and again, we may go into some of that later, but we're going to focus on the major arcana first. So the emperor, work with the emperor five minutes a day this week. Highly encourage you to do that. And then next week, we're going to be talking about the Hierophant, which is key number five. And that is a super interesting card. All these are, are great cards, but the Hierophant has a lot of interesting stuff going on with him as well. So thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram at, at Cosmic Eye Tarot or on TikTok at Cosmic Eye Tarot. Uh, or you can visit us over at CosmicEye.org. And again, like I said, we've got some really great tarot bags up. We're really emphasizing those bags right now because we put a bunch of new bags up and I think you're really going to enjoy them. These, you know, go beyond those kind of cheap little manufacturer, you know, mass produced type bags. These are handmade uh, quality bags. They're affordable. They're going to last you a long time and they're going to protect those cards that you make a a large investment into. I mean, a deck of cards is going to cost you these days, you know, anywhere between 25 and 35 or $40, depending on what you get, you know, put them in a good bag, put them in a bag that, you know, that goes with the deck that has the same look and feel as the deck. And that's what's so cool about the, our, our bags is that we have so many choices of fabrics, you're going to find something that goes with your cards. Cosmiceye.org. And you can uh, you can donate if you'd like at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. And thank you again, Cosmic Eye family, who is supporting and donating. And please share us on social media if you can and follow us and so forth. It does help us a great deal to, to spread the message, uh, to spread these uh, the wisdom of tarot, the ancient wisdom uh, with others. And obviously you're interested or you wouldn't be listening. So please help us share uh, more of this. We think it makes a better world to share these ideas with others, as I'm sure you believe uh, about Tara. All right, so have a great week. We'll be back next week, as I said, with the Hierophant. Uh, enjoy this Sunday, and goodbye, and God bless.